Every Lent, the church calls her children to prepare for the joy of the resurrection by first walking the path of repentance. Join us as we examine the nature of repentance with today's special guest, Father Dave Pavanka, T-O-R, author of the book, Spiritual Freedom. I'm Father Michael Scanlon, President Emeritus of Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, and you're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. Talking about the nature of repentance, we have our regular panelists with us again, uh, Dr. Regis Martin, Professor of Systematic Theology here, and Dr. Scott Hahn, Professor of Biblical Theology, also here at Franciscan University. And our special guest, who's been a constant at Franciscan University in many positions, Father Dave Pavanka, he's a director of post-novitiate formation for the Franciscan Sacred Heart Province. He's also superior at the St. Louis Friary in Washington, D.C. So, here we go. Lent, Lent. Why is Lent such an appropriate time to examine the nature of repentance? Well, Lent, I was probably a strange kid, but I always loved Lent. Growing up, I look forward to Lent, and I think what the church is doing is inviting us to, into a retreat. It's inviting us to reflect on our life, our relationship with the Lord, our relationship with one another, relationships with the church. Uh, ultimately, she's inviting us to conversion. And I think with any conversion, any time we go to a deeper conversion, repentance is always a part of it. Ability to be able to see where we fall short with the Lord, where we sin, and then be able to experience His mercy and His forgiveness. And, and Lent just highlights that for us. It kind of puts it in focus for us. Yeah. Well, I have to break ranks uh, with you, Father, because I've, I've never looked forward <laughs> to Lent. It's Thank you, a distasteful oh. time for me because I have to give up myself yeah. uh, and my sins, which are I said I was weird. very right. convenient. <laughs> yeah. You, know, yeah. you probably lost your hair over Lent. Um, uh, or lots of things. Lots but of you're, you're right. You're quite right uh, that it's an invitation uh, to grow, to deepen the relationship with Christ. Yeah. But it also poses a danger that you might think, oh, this is a self-help uh, project. I can do this. Right. I'm going to build up my ah. spiritual uh, muscles. When, in fact, it's God's work. It's not what you do, but rather whom you receive. And that's responding to him, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I think of your response as similar to a student telling me that he likes being tested. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. That way, once in a while, you. someone comes along. But, you know, Lent yeah. is also a period of testing, you know. And yeah. The 40 days of Lent, it's not exactly 40, but it's rounded to 40, you know, is reminiscent of a series of tests that go back, you know, to the dawn of history, the flood, 40 days uh, of testing for Noah, there's 40 days of fasting, of course, for yeah. Moses, yeah. and then another 40-day fast after the, the golden calf and Elijah and so many episodes that lead up to our Lord's own 40 days. But I think of testing as something I do in order to find out what the students have learned. Yeah. Whereas God is that kind of teacher who already knows what we've learned and what we haven't. So he tests us for an entirely different purpose. Yeah. Not to find out what we know, but to show us what we need. Yeah. You know, the testing is really not for his sake. 
yeah. as typical professors, but for yeah. our sake, yeah. to show us how weak we are and how much right. more we need his strength. Indeed, and, and it always leads us back to that, right, testing right. us so that we know our need, and our need is always yeah. him. And, and his, right. I'm sorry, his attitude is entirely different from the attitude, say, of a professor. Uh, he's not impressed by our <laughs> virtues, but he's also not dismayed or diverted by our vices, by our it. failures. It, it, he sort of, you know, renews, uh, regroups. Uh, he's endlessly patient. A loving father who is easily, easily pleased but never satisfied. Right, that's right. <laughs> uh, but wh why do we need it so much? You know what I mean? Like, uh, hey, can, can't it be like something else? Well, I've done that. I graduated from there. I've been through right. that. Yeah. Let me move on to something Wouldn't else. So. No, I recall somebody saying to me about Lent, they said, why do we do this every year? And, and they feel like it, they're just kind of going through the ropes. But yeah. I think to the degree that we can, we can truly reflect, and it's not self-help, it's not just me figuring out right. what is it right. that I'm doing wrong, but it's really asking the Holy Spirit to enliven my heart and my mind that allows me at this year, at this place in time, what is it now, 2012, that I need to transform, so that it I is, need to be transformed? So it is not just do it again the way you did it last year and the year before, right. but you're saying the Holy Spirit brings a freshness. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's the same thing. We, we, we don't celebrate our birthday every year because we forgot that we were born. We don't celebrate our uh -huh. anniversary because you know, our wedding is expiring, you know. Yeah. Uh, we do it to celebrate and to grow and to commemorate and to reflect, you know. And I think Lent in some ways is one of those anniversaries that, you know, leads us not only to our weakness, but to rediscover not just how much we need his strength, but how much more he wants to give it to right. us yeah. than we want him to. Yeah, it, it's not finally a matter of what you do, but of Christ whom you receive. And in, in how we respond. And right. I mean, we all reflect on, you know, take a moment and think about what this year has looked like and, and what we've gone through and what our experiences have been. To be able to step back and, and Lord, what is it that, that you want me to grow? How is it that I, I need you more and I fail to recognize that? How can I love better? Lent, you know, we know Father Mike Francis had several Lents during his year because he yeah. knew and he understood perhaps more than anybody. Uh, a saint, a tremendous saint, but the need to repent. I think any authentic movement of God of grace somewhere in that is repentance. And, and there's a sense in which the testing period is blessedly brief. I mean, 40 days, yeah. that's not much of a chunk. Well, that's pretty modest. Unless, and in you're, a way, unless you're a kid doing dishes every right, day. You know, I mean, in a way, it's like a, a university professor telling the students, look, you're going to have a blue book exam, and I just need a little blood, uh, just mm -hmm. a tiny specimen to determine the quality of the blood supply. Don't bleed all over the blue book. Yeah. Yeah. That's a mess. And, you know, God doesn't need much to take the measure of, of our metal. Yeah, but have you ever watched people giving a little blood? I passed out. Exactly. <laughs> and I like giving blood, so there's... I we've established what a strange creature you wrong with me, I think. Yeah, we used to, the way we gave blood in college is we gave, it was a race. We said we'll only... Give blood if you let six to eight of us in at the same time and start at the same time. Well, the image and, to go is... So it became a contest. That's good. But we remember that, just to work with that image, that ultimately that's what's brought us to this place, is that it wasn't my blood that was shed, or your, it's right. that our Savior right. shed His right. blood that invites us to this right. place. That's right, it, and, and, and that didn't spare us from suffering. No, it, absolutely it really not. It invites us into something different. Yeah. yeah, we participate in something much bigger than ourselves. Yeah, you know. I remember talking to a close friend of mine who was a, a famous musician, um, and he had been away from the church for decades. And when he came back, it was around the time of Lent. 
And, uh, Timing is everything. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, so what are you learning now that you're back? He said, what I'm learning, Scott, is I'm not much, but I'm all I think about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so Lent yeah. invites us to think about something other exactly. than me, yeah. other than ourselves. Right. But, yeah. but how do we learn? In other words, I don't just say, okay, I repent, God, go. Yeah. God expects us to be responding with specifics. Where well, is it that change is needed? Well, and I think that's what's important, again, is to go back. If people come to confession to me, I always begin the confession that somebody comes with, Lord, by the light of your Holy Spirit, show us our sin, not so that we judge ourselves, but so that we can know your mercy. That it's not just us figuring it out, but it's allowing us to have an experience of God in his presence and him in his mercy showing us yeah. what the sin is, yeah. where we're failing. and and. Who knows what that is? Well, yeah, and that's, yeah. if you're hearing those confessions, you usually have to work through, you know, well, I'm not always as kind as I should be. I haven't always cared for my wife like I should, you know. Yeah, but it's you remarkable get them beyond those well, things. It's remarkable. When we pray like that, the number of times I hear people say, you know, I haven't really thought about this, but... Well, yeah. why is it that we haven't really thought about this? But yeah. I think it's the light of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, a, a wise uh, a Dominican, Father Vincent McNabb, used to say that when God looks at a sinner, uh, he's no longer a sinner. He used to be a sinner. Uh, at, at least if the sinner acknowledges his nothingness. And, and that's a breakthrough. Uh, that, that's what Augustine uh, was prepared to celebrate. I'm nothing. I'm naked. I'm alone. I need you. I hunger there's a, for you. There's a specific curriculum. I think that's designed into the sacrament, and not just in the sacrament, but into Lent as well. And, and the curriculum is such that you uh, learn slowly. I mean, it's been a quarter of a century for me since I became a Catholic, but I'm beginning to get it, that it's, it's just as easy. You know, falling into sin is easy, but falling into mercy is too, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we all know temptation, but what we forget is that it's in some ways even easier to let go and to fall into mercy. Uh, yeah. and, and I think that's why Lent is an invitation to really become like children again and to recognize, you know. But the, uh, the key thing that you have, we have to grow in is to figure out where we should be repenting. What are the yeah. sins? Where, is the, where are the places that need change? We can't just be, okay, I'm generally repenting with a badge across my forehead. No, I, th I think that's important, Father Mike, that there's two things, is that, is that we, we are clear on what it is and how it is that we offend God. Yeah. And, and to the degree that we can be specific about that is, is important. I think that there's something to being able to identify and name it and, and state it. Mm. But the other part is, and I heard a, a priest one time say that, that he wasn't positive God was as concerned about the what sins we committed as much as our attitude towards sin. And that we need to be able to see what it is, but also what's our attitude towards it and how do we approach it? And oftentimes if, if we have a flippant attitude towards sin or towards, you know, breaking particular commandments or laws or something like that, well then we're just going to continue to pursue and continue to live in our sin. But if we can be converted in our attitude towards sin and have a better understanding on the specific nature of what our sin is, right. then mercy becomes real. Not just right. an idea, it becomes a and it, and it gives us a reason to stop being clever and start yeah. getting clients, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, because I think that's the first line of defense we, 
we establish where we are really experts at excusing ourselves and accusing other people. Yeah. Instead of repenting, we resent. You know? It must be Father Fry I've sinned, but I didn't. Boom, boom, boom. I'm not really <laughs> concerned about what you didn't do, you know? I'm glad I don't hear yeah, confession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get yeah. frustrated. Uh, there's, a, there's a beautiful story that uh, Monsignor Luigi Giussani tells, who yeah. founded Communion and Liberation. Uh, a man uh, each night would resolve to do better the next day. And by George, the next day, he didn't. He fell down, he was broken, yeah. but he got up again. At the end of the day, a fresh resolution. By George, I'm going to overcome these failings. But sure enough, the same record of failure, shortcoming, disaster. At the end of a long life doing that, uh, uh, Giussani asks, what do we call somebody like that? And the answer is a saint. Absolutely. I mean, sanctity is in the struggle, the, the process. The one who gets up one more time than he falls. Yeah. The, the week. Only once. Yeah, seriously. Right. As long as, yeah. as I cry, uh, I've, I've stepped up, I've tried again, I've repented, that's a saint. Right. But he also grows in wisdom in knowing what's really important, yeah. what's serious. Yeah, there ought to be what's fewer minor, pitfalls yeah, along yeah, the way. So that uh, how, how do we handle those distinctions that are so important? Well, I mean, an examination of conscience yeah. was something I never heard of before oh. entering the church. You know, I remember when Monsignor handed me his own yeah. Yeah. examination. I handed it right back. You know, You're not like, good with exams. Huh? <laughs> talk yeah. about your brutal self-inventory. Yeah, but don't you have a wife? Uh, yeah. <laughs> doesn't she examine you? Yeah, she does. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't a divine oracle the way this list seemed to be. Uh. You know, but I, I think we examine our conscience and we ask the Holy Spirit to show us not only where we have fallen or where we have sinned, but where we've wasted all of our energy covering it up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's the, that's the next line of defense that we erect because, you know, excusing ourselves and accusing other people, we, 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 we discover in the process of excusing ourselves that we also are defending ourselves right, and yeah. uh, building entrenchments, you know. Yeah, and I think that that is, is a question of really believing that God loves us, is that we feel like we have to go before yes. Him and right. repent, but explain why we did it. Right. He right. loves us passionately right. and madly. We don't have to give Him explanations. Right. Yes. He, he's heard the explanation before. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. fact, I love it. Jesus on the cross gives explanation, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they do. I mean, right. Right. That, that in that the Lord has, has in, in many ways, excused us. We don't know what we're doing. Forgive them, Father. But we do have to get some wisdom so we know the difference between false, venial sins and mortal oh, sins. Yeah, yeah. Those things that actually break our relationship but, with but God. But it is essential that we not make excuses yeah. for our failings. We've got to take ownership yeah. of, of the sin. Yeah, we and certainly take ownership of our achievements. We, You're right. Identifying sin, though, by going down the Ten Commandments, by looking yeah. at the seven deadly sins, by picking up anything that yeah. is a approved examination of conscience, yeah. it, it will help. But I think what we don't want to do, while we classify sins, we don't want to be preoccupied with the classification. Right. Right. Then we become more like librarians than students of ourselves. Right. You know? I, think, I think it's important that we understand mortal sin and the difference between that and venial omission, and, omission, yeah, and, yeah. and grave sure. matter in that. But oftentimes, Father Michael, I'm sure this has been your experience as well. When people come to confession to me, we lay it out there and we say, okay, Lord, we're just laying this at your mercy, you know? There could be occasion where an individual doesn't know. We're just gonna lay this at your mercy. And, and, and obviously our minds need to be molded and formed and understanding. But at the end of the day, it's the Lord's mercy that we go Well, through. and that's key because how else do we, we repent? In other words, we're into habits, we're into these 
situations, and yet what leads us with the grace and the power to repent? Yeah, yeah. Knowledge can lead us there, but I don't know that knowledge in itself is enough. In fact, I don't think that it is. Okay. Yeah, right. Focusing yeah. on the cross, uh, I think, is... Yeah, not a bad huge. thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, when we come back, we want to talk about God, repentance, the human soul. What's the difference between where God's calling us to repent and things we're just sorry for? So we want to get into this. And so that really does help us draw closer to God. Stay with us. For me, I benefit so much from confession because I need to publish my thoughts. So I need to say them out loud and I need to know that there's a, a person hearing them and, and being able to respond. I have a desire, a very deep desire to hear the words, it's okay, you know, you're, you're forgiven. I, I don't, don't worry about it anymore. So just bringing it to God on the side of my bed, yes, I do that all the time, every day, but I have a desire to know that, um, that I'm heard. And I feel like in the Catholic faith, God has given us that gift. My name is Michael Villanueva. I'm majoring in philosophy and theology. Last semester, I had sacraments with Dr. Hahn. And uh, I'll tell you right now, it was the best class of my entire life. Every class, I'm just knocked out of my chair. It hits me like a ton of bricks. The beauty of the truth that he's speaking to us. Something so simple, but so beautiful and so profound and so powerful. Franciscan University is academically excellent and passionately Catholic. Talking about the path to repentance with our regular panelists, Dr. Scott Hahn and Dr. Regis Martin, and our special guest, Father Dave Pabanka, a fellow friar who we've worked with for many years. And we're continuing our Lenten discussion of repentance with Father Dave, who oversees all the post-novitiate formation, all the guys coming down the line that we're waiting to receive in our houses and ministries. And that's seminarians. For those who aren't sure what post bishop, oh. I'm in charge of our seminary. Right. Yeah, they uh, call it seminary. That's <laughs> right. But anyhow, yeah. what's the difference between repentance that comes from God and repentance that we just feel sorry for in ourselves? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great question, Father Mike. In, in one sense, it goes to what you alluded to earlier, Regis, and that's that repentance isn't just me figuring out what's wrong. No. Um, Repentance is a response. It's, it's a response to the grace of the Lord. It's a response to a relationship. It's a, a response to the call that the Lord has placed on us. Um, this, this idea of me figuring out, it begins with me and it ends with me. You know, I have to figure out what's wrong with me, all this self-help. True repentance begins with the power of God. It begins with the heart and the mercy of God, and it leads us to there. When, when somebody's coming in, and you may see the same thing, the same thing that you're doing wrong, but when it's really being motivated yeah. by God, there, there's, there's a peace in that. There's, there's, you're being called by a God who is passionately in love with you and is merciful and is kind and is patient. And while there may be, you kind of feel down because you've offended this God, there's not judgment, there's not condemnation, there's not shame, there's, okay, I've offended you, Lord, but you love me and you're ever merciful. And there's something about that that actually that there's a, a joy. We hear about a joy of repentance. Yeah. There's a joy in that. And we take it one step further because frequently somebody has been irritating us. Yeah. And so we act back with, with a real uncharitable way. Yeah. 
and we feel like, well, just between us, uh, he asked for it. And how do we get the right perspective that we're offending God? <laughs> yeah, sin is, sin is never just between <laughs> us, you know, yeah. there, there's you know, a condition. There, there are two words in the Bible, the New Testament Greek word metanoia, yeah. which means a change of mind, but not just the change of mind that comes at the end of a semester, the change of mind that comes at the end of a, a road of self-deception where all of a sudden you're looking back and realizing, yeah. I'm in a far country, I am, I am with the pigs. You know? And that never stops. That it never stops. That's, that's, right. that's the main charism of our community. It's, it's an the, ever it's deepening. Mm -hmm. yeah. the, the second term is in the Old Testament, and that's the Hebrew word for repentance, which is simply shuv, which means to return. Mm. And that's exactly what the prodigal son does. I mean, he has the change of mind that begins and should never end, but he returns to the Father. Right. It's not returning to himself. It's not simply coming to his senses. Right. Yeah. It's taking that trip back home and discovering that he loves me more than I love myself. Yeah. Oh, he God. wants to forgive me and heal me more than I want him to. Right, this idea of this just self-awareness is so empty. I mean, right. I come aware and it's like, well, where do I go with this? Where do I take it? We need to be able to be invited back to the Father. The Father, I think, is the key though. because yeah. it's not just a, a lawyer, you know, it's not just a judge. It's not just an accountant, you know, or a tax official. Yeah. You know, we're not just settling up scores. Yes, Jesus paid a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. That's yeah. true. But yeah. there's something that's so much deeper in the heart right. that only Jesus can heal because he shows us the face of the Father. Right. And the fact that we're part of a family that we have estranged ourselves from, but we're always welcome back. Right, like, right, right. There are so many biblical uh, scenes and images that illustrate this. Uh, you think of Peter walking on the water. As long as he's riveted on Christ. Yeah. He doesn't slip. He doesn't fall. The moment he thinks about himself, uh, he slips yeah. Into, yeah. into the sea. Or the woman at the well, covered with shame for a life that was pretty, or, pretty miserably spent. But if she looks on Jesus, who is gazing with love upon her, the she woman, can move forward. Caught caught adultery. Adultery. She's, the two of them stand there and Jesus says, is there no one left to condemn yeah. you? Right. Neither do I condemn you. But what's important, yeah. Scott, is that you said that Jesus shows us the face of the Father. Um, and that's important because so many people's idea of Father, if this is what I'm being invited to, but Jesus shows us the face of the Father. Jesus reveals who the Father is to us. Yeah. And it's always the Father welcoming. I mean, I've spoken to many people over the years that this idea of the prodigal son, if they would have seen their father waiting on that porch, a hug wasn't what they were going to get, you know. But right. Jesus reveals a father who right. runs and right. greets us yeah. and embraces us. Yeah, we us. all have fathers so we can know who God is, but we all have flawed, radically Indeed. flawed fathers. Right. So we'll yeah. never settle for anything less than God yeah. the Father. Right. And, and uh, we are examples of that flawed father. As our father Michael and I. <laughs> are, yeah. Right, yes. The, you know, the technical uh, term remorse I, I think is helpful. That, that's when you're fixated on yourself. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you don't like yeah. sin because of the consequences, uh, what it does to you, what it yeah. prevents uh, you from becoming. Uh, Luther was pretty scathing about that. He called it the, uh, the repentance of the gallows. At the last minute you say, oh God, I really am sorry yeah. because after all, if I'm not, I go straight to hell. I mean, Trent wisely condemned that and said, look, attrition is enough to get you into purgatory, but contrition, 
perfect sorrow, true repentance. That's interesting. It's like a, a launching pad straight into the kingdom of God. I had an experience that made that very clear to me when I was walking the Camino de Santiago. Good. I was hoping you'd bring this well, up. Well, well it, was just a, it was just a great pilgrimage. experience in that uh, at the end of the day, the first thing you would do is you would wash your clothes. And that process for me took about 30 seconds, just a little bit of water, a little bit of soap, and I was done. Well, I would watch some of the women who are washing their clothes, and this would take three, four, five, six minutes, and I just couldn't relate to the work ethic of cleaning your clothes like that. And, and I found myself, as you're walking day after day, being able to reflect on that, that experience of how I did it and, and what they were doing. And then I realized that we were doing two very different things. Uh, they were washing their clothes to get them clean. I was washing my clothes so that they wouldn't stink. Yeah. A significant difference in yeah. that. And then I realized the same thing with confession, is that at times I go to confession or people come to confession to me because they don't want to stink. That's good. I mean, there's, well, there's, a, grace, there's a grace in that. Right. But there's something radically different between yeah. coming to confession, not because I stink, I don't like the way I smell, I'm not uncomfortable, and Father, I want to be clean. I want to yeah. be transformed. I yeah. want to be made. Yeah. Radical difference between And what does things. confession provide yeah. that makes that so different? Why? But provides the odor of sanctity. Yeah, sure. And now smell good. And the transformation that, that we, yeah, yeah, we're, we're radically transformed that when we walk out of that confessional, we are different in right. some way. You know, the, the transformation, I think, is the subtle but substantive point because I remember in my own formation and, prepar and preparing to become a Catholic, Monsignor Bruskowitz, now bishop, explained to me that there's an analogy between transubstantiation and what happens through the words of absolution. Uh, you know, bread and wine are transformed into Christ. He said there's something different but similar, he said, because all the energies that we have wasted in sinning are transformed. It's sort of like a rubber band, he said. You pull back so far and then God enables you to let go. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he who is forgiven much learns how to love much. Yeah, and I think that's what Lent does, is it provides us an opportunity to go to confession. And, and whether or not you go at the beginning or during Holy Week, I think it's important that during this season, everybody take that opportunity and go to confession and be able to experience that sacrament. But so oftentimes, Father Michael, I'm sure this has been your experience, and people don't necessarily feel different. You know, go to confession, I don't yeah. feel any different. Well. Either the sacrament is efficacious or it's not. It has power and grace right. or it doesn't. What I necessarily feel, while well, it's nice to have a feeling of, the Lord's mercy is present in that sacrament. Right. You go to the doctor's office, you don't necessarily walk out feeling better. No. You take medicine. It might be days before it really sinks in and, and makes you feel how often different. do you go to the doctor? And how often should you go to confession? Yeah. In well, other words, if you still have a... Well, you, go to, you go to a doctor because you're sick. And you go right. to a doctor because you need a checkup. And I think the sacrament can do both. Yes. That, that, right. that we go because we know that there is something wrong and we go because sin, confession isn't only don't sin, but it's so that I don't sin anymore. Right. There's a yeah. grace present. I mean, you, you go because you don't want to smell bad anymore, yeah, yeah, but yeah. also yeah. because you want to smell beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's really uh, instructive that, that Jesus, before entering into the desert, his own Lent, found himself flooded with the Holy Spirit. Then he launches out into the desert. So maybe it is appropriate before venturing uh, into this Lenten uh, uh, wilderness that you get fortified with the sacraments and be filled well, with the Spirit. The classic distinction here. So many of our Protestant brethren, brethren would say, oh, sure, I'll go repent to God in my back room. Yeah. Why are you telling me I got to go to some other man? 
yeah, out I mean, of the church yeah. and bring a sense that. Well, I mean, there there is a sense biblically in which you 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 see a change from the Old Testament to the New. You know, when Jesus said to the paralytic, "My son, your sins are forgiven." His opponents in the room were like, no one can forgive right. sins but God alone. And Jesus wouldn't have disagreed with them because in the Old Testament, not even the high priest could actually forgive sins. He just knew something they didn't know, that standing in that room was the God-man. Yeah. Yeah. But he wasn't doing something that he was basically hoarding for himself. You know, during the public ministry, he gave to the, the Twelve the power to preach and teach and heal and deliver. But only after the resurrection in John 20, does he say, peace be with you, as the Father sent me, using the past tense, now I'm sending you in the present. Right. And he breathed on them and said, receive yeah. the Holy Spirit. He who sins you forgive will be forgiven. He whose sins you retain will be retained. Well, how would they know what sins to forgive or retain unless they were going to be told specifically what sins uh. have been committed? So Jesus is instituting a sacrament. He's launching a medical program of divine mercy that is now not going to be centralized exclusively in Him, but decentralized in all of these right. apostolic agents. Yeah, yeah. also, if, if mercy is to be real, then it's got to be concrete, palpable. Absolutely. You've got to be able to feel it, taste it, touch it, no, smell it. Well, it, it needs to be mediated. It can't remain an abstraction. That's it. So mediation is yeah. the role of the priest. That's, that's key. Yeah. And you don't and go to the priest somebody. instead of Jesus. Right. Well, yeah. those two things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But I think there's something to that. I mean, you, you look at a lot of the Alcoholics Anonymous, and one of the one of the elements of that is to be able to admit where we've wronged and then go to the person and, and have that conversation that says, I failed, and hear them say, you're forgiven. That, right. that there's yeah. something to that, to be able to hear yeah. the priest say to you, God the Father of mercies through the dead, and you're yeah. forgiven. And yeah. there's just something the human person needs that. We need that touch. We need that reminder. We need that. And then obviously the sacramental grace that comes. So, how, so we change when we repent? Absolutely. Well, oh, the, the, different. well, that there is, there's a nature. I think the nature of true repentance is, is change. It's not simply saying, okay, this is what I've done, but this desire that says, this is what I've done, and I don't want to do it again. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I do know people who have wasted almost their entire lives, you know, excusing themselves and accusing others. Mm -hmm. uh. And you look at them and you realize, you know, how, how their souls have shriveled. And, and most people aren't like that. Most people have been able to apologize at least a few times. Sure, sure. And I think the experience of reconciliation, of restored relationships yeah. Yeah. within the family or within the neighborhood or within the workplace, yeah. you know, it's just a small window that we can look through to recognize there is something supernatural, something so much bigger and better I that is waiting for us. When I was a kid, the priest said to me, he said, he said, Dave, this is a sacrament of reconciliation, not the sacrament of sin. And, yeah. and just highlighting yeah. that, that I bring right. my sin, but it's, right. it's in that that I'm reconciled to a God who yeah. loves me. Yeah, yeah. But happily, the priest uh, is never surprised when you come back. Right? No, right, right, right. Because <laughs> he doesn't say, what, back. you're yeah. back again? The What's the matter with you? Because happily, the priest has been to confess. Right, right. Since yes. then. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, let's hope he's a wounded healer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Gregory the Great was the, the doctor of moral theology and the Pope at one point, you know, and in his famous work, The Moralia, on the book of Job, you know, he, he points out how we grow in wisdom, that we, we recognize that the first moral obligation we have is to resist temptation. And, you know, God punishes us, but not by getting even. You know, the, the punishment of God, you know, for failing to resist temptation is allowing us to fall into the sin. Yeah. 
respecting our freedom, that triggers for Gregory the second obligation, that is to repent immediately of that sin before you even experience the, the false pleasure. And if you don't, well, the, the punishment is you experience that enticement, that false pleasure. And that triggers the third level of obligation. You've got to renounce the false pleasure that has you know, been yeah. experienced as well as repent. And if you don't do that, you begin to feel an addiction, a habit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, that's when we where come we back, we're going to talk about what you do is in reparation, what you do to change so that it just doesn't end with you saying, I'm sorry. And I wish I didn't do it. So stay with us. I go to confession uh, once a week uh, because realizing my brokenness, uh, I like to experience the Lord's mercy in a way that is always offered. Uh, last week when I went, it was just a cool experience because uh, realizing how the Lord like pursues, He wants to give us the mercy, and uh, it's it's a grace that. I don't know why else we wouldn't go if it's there. Um, and so that's why I frequent it, because I know that I'm a sinner and I want to be a saint. My name is Kelly Butler, and I'm a communication arts major. I took independent digital filmmaking. Definitely intense. Many all-nighters in the editing lab getting things done. Pope John Paul II has a quote. Do not be afraid to go out into the streets and into public places to preach Christ like the first apostles. That's what we're called to as Catholics and as Christians. You have that responsibility that every work you create should reflect Christ. Franciscan University is academically excellent and passionately Catholic. Welcome back. We're here at Franciscan University of Steubenville, surrounded by our students working the equipment and with our special guest, Father Dave Pavanka. And we're talking with our famous Friends, <laughs> Scott and Regis, uh, about repentance, a, time, a topic for Lent where we need to take a new look and get a fresh perspective each year. Uh, well, Father Dave, it's one thing to say, okay, we've confessed, but what changes? What, what is it to lead us to in this time of yeah. I think there's a couple things. Uh, first off, the nature of the sacrament should cause us to change in, in our behavior. Mm. So that if we're repenting for particular things time and time again, well, that may be the particular area that we're going to be struggling yeah. with. But there should lead us to um, self-reflection. Why is it that I'm always impatient with so-and-so? Yeah. And not just, just not the nature of the sin, but what is it that brought me to this place that allows me to be impatient with one of my brothers or a spouse or something like that. Uh, you know, I'll often say it's a question of timing is that we realize we sinned five minutes after. If we could try to be more aware of our moving towards that. Yeah. And that's my experience is oftentimes after the confession to be able to reflect how is it that I got in this position that caused me to come here and, yeah. and, and reflect not simply on the act, but what is it that brought me here? What triggered it? What Right. opened up the door that allowed me to walk through. Yeah, and uh, so you're basically saying it's different from, okay, I won't do it again. You know, you've got to look at the road that led yeah. you to it. Yeah. Pull the weed up by the roots. And Father Mike, my, one of my experiences is that, that that idea that says, okay, I did it, I'm not going to do it again, leads to many people 
tremendous suffering and frustration. And, and, and because yeah. they think that if they just make up their mind, they won't do it again. And they come back to me in the confessional two weeks later and say, I made up my mind. I yeah. didn't do it again. I did it again. Part of this has got to be a conversion of the heart. That, yeah. that we throw ourselves in the mercy of God and pray for the grace of the Holy Spirit not to see. If I just think I can decide not to sin again, I'm going to be in here in 20 minutes. Yeah. But it's, it's cooperation with the grace that's available from the sacraments, from Mass, from confession, from works of mercy, charity, all of that, so as to not sin anymore. I think that's what Gregory the Great was getting at when he talked about temptation, sin, and then habit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, this is long-term therapy. It's a sure cure, but no, it's not a quick fix. No. Uh, you're running a marathon, you know, you're, and, and you're really being carried you know, in this marathon more than you're just simply expected to do it all yourself. And when you look at it that way, you know, you, you not only walk away differently, but you come back differently. Yeah. You return to indeed, confession. Indeed. You know, I remember when I was prepared for my first confession, I was told in the preparation that John Paul went Weekly, and I was right. like, weekly. Yeah. You know, yeah. What would he have to confess? And that's when I found out about the seal. Whoever knows can't say. Yeah. But I remember right after yeah. coming into the church, I went back in a week, and then another week, and another yeah. week, and for about a month and a half, it was weekly, and I could, I yeah. could feel it, and I wondered if anybody else could. Oh, then yeah. final exams hit, and I, I went three weeks without going, and one night. Kimberly's like, you know, when's the last time you've been to confession? I'm like, it's yeah. none of your business. <laughs> you don't even think it's a sacrament, you know? Yeah. And then she's like, you know. But like, she noticed a change in And it. I'm like, three weeks. Like, and she's yeah. like, I just asked. Yeah, that, yeah. And then after dinner, I realized if I'd gone three weeks without showering, you know, would I have been right. surprised if yeah. she had noticed? Yeah. Right. And so when I went back quiet, I didn't tell them. I went back the next day. And the next dinner, they're looking at each other, the kids, you know, they're smiling. What's so funny? What's the secret? You've been to confession. You know, <laughs> oh, like, my. okay, you know. You know, if, if the back... Isn't that great? To just and, and the fact is, they could, they could experience yeah. it because the mercy I got, that's, I was yeah. sharing with them. That's beautiful. I was easier that's, on them. That's the nature. Good. It's not just us. It's, yeah. it's what that allows us to do, to love yeah. better. And yeah, the fallout, I, I think, uh, uh, includes <laughs> everybody. And if the baggage of, of sin uh, testifies to anything, which we bring not just to the confessional, but to our relationships, is the fact that it's not finally about me. It's not self-help. Uh, it's not a Promethean gesture. I can't wake up and say, by Jove, I'm now going to be perfect. That, that convicts you fatally of pride. You're not perfect. Right, right. You're a mess. And it leads people to absolute frustration, to thinking that they, that they actually could be perfect if they make up their mind or if they're holy enough. Yeah. I mean, that, that was the fallacy of, of Platonism, that if you simply know what the good is, then you'll do it. It's not a function of knowledge. It's a movement of the will. And the will, I, I think, has to undergo a kind of therapy of grace. It has to change. But even there, I think it's just as important to say it's not just the intellect, it's the will, but it's not just me, it's us. Yeah. You know, the very way, the ways we pray, our Father, not right. my Father, right. you know. Yeah. I think what confession does, for me at least, and for all of us, is it really plugs us back into this body of Christ. Yeah. So that, you know, when I go home and I see my wife, I see yeah. my sacrament, my vocation, I see my kids, I see my coworkers. And, and the reality is, is that how, how you treat your wife, how you treat your kids, all of that in, in your home has an effect on your students, your colleagues. I mean, it's not just you and them. It's we're in this together. We're right. part of the body. You offend the body. You offend the body, not just. Right. Yeah. Right. You know the parable where the master forgives the servant this exorbitant sum because we owe God everything and we've given yeah. him very little. And, and so to turn around and withhold that mercy yeah. from right. other servants right. is ludicrous. Yeah. You know? so that's, yeah. a, 
a grand vision, which is true, that uh, there's mercy in our relationship with God and change and move out. Uh, but a lot of people struggle. Well, then why is the priest saying, say, two Hail Marys? You know, <laughs> what's the, yeah. the little things the priest is saying at the end of confession? It doesn't yeah. seem to yeah. fit that big picture. Well, I think the penance, what it allows us, it, it, again, we as human persons are very concrete. We want, it allows us in some simple manner to express our real desire to change. Yeah. Um, it, it's not the penance that causes me, it's the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that forgives me for my sin. Yep. But by my providing some type of penance, and why is it two Hail Marys? Uh, who knows? I, I always re recall what St. John Vianney said. He said, um, the, oh priest, make your penance light and you do the penance for the, pen, for the penitent. Ah, yep, yeah. that's right. That was good for him to say that. There was something <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, somebody said that the future belongs to those who show up. Uh, and it seems to me that if you show up, uh, you have already shouldered the burden of, of this uh, uh, event. You're there, you admit, you confess openly, I'm nothing, I'm, I'm empty, I'm bankrupt, uh, I'm desperately poor, I need help. Yeah. So that acknowledgement is very freeing. Indeed. And it isn't just something past. We realize we need penance. Yeah. We need repentance. Something has to change in yeah. an ongoing way. Yeah. Well, again, in, in that we find ourselves in Lent, that there is something about this penance that, say fasting. I mean, what's the connection between fasting and sin? Is So oftentimes our sin is, I want something, I think I need it, and we end up sinning. What fasting allows us to do is says, okay, you want something, but you don't have to have it. You don't right. have to do that. You don't have to give in to the, the senses of the body wanting and desiring. The, this connection between penance and, and, and fasting and sin allows us to say, okay, just because I want to do something doesn't in fact mean that I have to what do it. What does scripture tell us about doing penance or going ahead? It isn't just the Catholics who are saying, go to the sacrament of penance, but uh, what direction do we get from? Well, when you look at the parables, the majority of parables have to do with forgiveness and with how much God wants to, you know, heal us. But even beyond the parables, you look at what Jesus does in order to bring us to repentance. And then as Paul reflects upon it, you know, throughout his epistles, you, you find over and over again this theme is recurring, uh, precisely because it's not a once-in-a-lifetime event. It isn't like a conversion where I was 14, you know. It's ongoing conversion. And this is precisely why it becomes one of the dominant themes throughout Scripture, because it becomes one of the dominant needs in the ongoing life of any true believer. Yeah, indeed, that, it, that it's not something that we're ever going to totally be finished with. And, and there's, that, that could lead us to frustration or it could lead us to hope that says, right. I, I continue, I'm trying the best, I continue to get up day after day after day. Well, and so many pilgrimages, special devotions, novenas, these things come from the grace of God moving in us That's right. to live a repentant life, to live deeper repentance. So it is to be ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. And you need to find the right ways to express it in an ongoing way and not consider repenting and confession as a closed book that you leave at the church and run off. Right, and that's why life. I think 
the nature of the Mass. The nature of the Mass is for the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. Right, yeah. And yet, how often do we often go to Mass and we just kind of go through the opening part, Lord have mercy. I mean, at that point, the Lord is inviting us to recognize our sin and experience His mercy so that when we leave Mass, we have been forgiven of, of sin. If we're in mortal sin, obviously we need to go to the sacrament of, of reconciliation. Yeah. But the church provides us little markers in our day, in our week, in our year that allows us to continually go back to the Lord. And the whole history of pilgrimages were for repentance. Uh, yeah. To where it started. Sure. Yeah, it, go it, back to where yeah. Jesus died. Yeah. Right. Go back to Jerusalem and really to change this yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, isn't it it's curious that uh, the Mass is this perfect point of entry into the mystery of Christ? And it's so ordinary, so prosaic. We go, we can go every day. We're at liberty <laughs> to attend Mass every day. And it is uh, the privileged point where we encounter God. And the fact that it's Eucharistica, which means thanksgiving, suggests that what we need is to cultivate a grateful heart. Not what I can do, what I bring uh, to this event, but what God has already poured out and on my behalf. What, what is so beautiful and we need to keep in mind is that there is a joy in all of this, repentance, penance. Right? It reminds us that God is passionately in love with us and continually calls us back. That There was a liveliness to our discussion today and that's, that's that there is a joy in the repentance. The reality is, is that when we're done repenting, there's a Father who's mad about us. Right. And, and rejoice, I mean, rejoices in our repentance. That should lift our spirits. It's not, you know, woe is me. It's, right. It's, right. it's thank you, Lord, that you've loved me and you've called me I think me by it name. leads to the deepest kind of self-discovery, you know, oh. being liberated from, you know, the false hope of, 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 of self-help. Yeah. That I can just do it right. myself. You know, Peter, you know, when you asked about Scripture, I think of Peter as a paradigm because his whole life is punctuated by repentance. You know, yeah. in yeah. Luke 5, after that amazing haul of fish, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. Yeah. You know, in the midst of his first major miracle, walking on water, he <laughs> says, save me, Lord, you know. Yeah. And then again, get thee behind me, Satan. He has to learn over and over again. Jesus says to the 12, you must be willing to forgive your brother if he sins seven times. Peter pipes up later, shall I forgive my brother seven times? Jesus says, no, I say to you, in a second person singular, 70 times seven, right. because of Amen. how much mercy you're getting, but you better give it. Who I often think about, Scott, is Paul. I, I love the text where Paul oh. says, uh, God found me worthy, He found, and I who was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and arrogant, God found me worthy. Talk about a person who had baggage, the sin that he was part of, but God called him and, and radically changes him. I was reflecting recently that at the stoning of, of Stephen, there were two saints there. Stephen right. and Paul. Right. Yeah. Paul ultimately called huge sin. Talk about baggage. Right. Yeah. God freed him from that and brings him to this yeah. place of mercy. You know, and, he, and he becomes such a great apostle because he had been once such a great absolutely, sinner. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I, take, I take solace in that, you know. When you, take, when you take a look at his epistles, the earliest epistles are where you find him saying, I'm the least of the apostles. Right. Near the end of his life, he said, I am the chief of sinners. <laughs> right. yeah, 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 you know, yeah, and you're yeah. like, he is growing in humility right. and self-knowledge. And that's why pilgrimages can be so important Particularly, we've done the pilgrimages a number of times, the journeys of St. Paul, mm. going through his life, seeing where he was and what changed and how God came to him and then how he responded and how he moved and proclaimed the good news and kept saying, I was the greatest of sinners. Yeah. And Father Mike, I think Lent is just that. Lent is a pilgrimage. Yeah. It's leading us from one place, from Ash Wednesday, uh, to uh, 
to Easter, that, that we walk with the Lord during that and with the church and with one another to that place. Okay, well, we'll come back with some parting thoughts and things to take away that God wants to do in each of our lives. Stay with us. I try to go to confession weekly during Lent because um, I feel like whenever I'm giving these things up as my penance for Lent, Jesus kind of throws things at me to get me to, you know, to strive harder for holiness. And so I tend to, I tend to fall and giving up these penances um, is a struggle and it's a challenge. And I feel like without confession that I'm not, I'm not a, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. I would get discouraged. Um, so going to confession during Lent really helps me to persevere and to press on until Easter. Um, and really work at that, at that goal. Explore the treasures of your Catholic heritage on a Franciscan University pilgrimage. Led by inspiring spiritual directors, you'll walk in the footsteps of saints and martyrs in the Holy Land, Poland, France, and Italy. And you'll deepen your love for Jesus Christ through daily mass, confession, prayer, and the joy of Christian fellowship. Let Franciscan University lead you on a pilgrimage of faith Find out more at franciscan.edu slash pilgrimages. Welcome back. Franciscan University, surrounded by our students working here and our regular panelists. And we've come to the end of our Lenten discussion on repentance. It's time for some takeaway messages from our panelists who give us something to send us forth, hopefully deeper into the Latin life. Uh, I, I guess uh, I'm, I'm grateful that uh, uh, while the discussion about Lent is almost over, Lent is not yet over because yeah. the discussion has made me more excited uh, yeah. about doing a better job. Uh, and, and one of the, uh, the experiences that, that I have is this disproportion uh, between God and myself. He's generous and I'm stingy. He's great uh, and I'm not even averagely good. Uh, all that he has provided and all that I withhold. There's a huge disproportion. Uh, and I'm in good company. I mean, Jesus had to tell Catherine of Siena, remember Catherine, I am he who is and you are she who is not. And, and she was no ordinary Italian. You know, patroness of Italy. She, she didn't hesitate to tell bishops and popes yeah. what to do, what to think, right. and yet she is as naked and alone and bereft as the rest of us. So when you think of it like that, a little penance uh, for Lent uh, is a paltry affair. I can do this. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember one Lent I gave up coffee because I loved it so much. And then I acquired this wonderful taste for tea. And then the next Lent, I said, well, I can't quite give up tea. I'll give up sugar. And then I think Father Michael told me, oh, I never drink tea with sugar. I love it. So I figured that's not much of a sacrifice. And then one of my colleagues said, you know what I do for Lent? I take cold showers. <laughs> I'm not there yet. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll say an extra Hail Mary. But the disproportion, it induces, I think, a sense of gratitude. We're stunned, ambushed by gratitude for all that God has done and how little we have to show for what we've done. And that's healthy, like, like the rich young man who goes away sad. That sadness is salutary because now he knows I'm not up to speed and I can always come back. Invited, yeah. 
Okay, thank you. Well, I want to balance out the penitential emphasis <laughs> with the, the medicine of divine mercy. Because I think when we approach Lent and we prepare to approach confession, reconciliation, penance, whatever we want to call it, we have to kind of choose a model. It could be the courtroom, you know, where there's law and we have to throw ourselves upon the mercy of the court. Or it could be indebtedness and taxes, you know, and how to get these things paid off. But I think medicine, because uh, then all of a sudden we realize what we have. It's more than just a bargain. I mean, it's, it's free health care, yeah. but it's comprehensive. It's for every member of the family. And it comes with a divine guarantee that Christ himself is the great physician who will administer this sacrament through his lowly ministers, but he is the high priest. He is the great physician. And so we have this guarantee. We would never go to a doctor, you know, where we have insurance, you know, you know co-pay, and, and withhold from him the things that we really are most concerned about, the things that are doing the most damage. We're going to be transparent. And I would say even more so when it comes to not just physical, but spiritual, not just temporal, but eternal, not just human life and health, but that which is divine. We, we come in order to kind of bear our souls, and in the, in the process we discover that he loves me more than I love myself, and he understands me better than I understand myself. And he can work through a priest even if that priest is distracted, you know, like a doctor can work through a nurse, or like sure. health comes through medicine. Even if my doctor is unhealthy, the medicine will restore me. And Christ is the one Good. who is that medicine. And okay. I, I wonder, Father Mike, why it is that you asked me uh, to come and spend time with you with the nature of sin and reconciliation, but we'll deal with that when the cameras are off. But, you know, I'm thinking about this whole topic, sin, reconciliation, repentance, and, and I think at the heart, for me, is, is one of relationship. Yeah is that uh, sin is not personal. And, and I think, unfortunately, we, we make sin personal. We go to a box just quiet and it's kind of dark and, and, we, and we repent of our sins and we've made it this seemingly personal thing. Yeah. An illusion I have is getting, hypothetically, getting pulled over by a police officer. I, not that that would happen, but uh, I've never had a police officer pull up to my door and start crying and say, you know, you were, you were speeding, you, were, you know, it's, it's, it's this legal transaction that takes place. You broke the law, here's your penance, here's your, your ticket, and go on your way. But I think we make sin and repentance and confession like that, that I broke the law, I go to confession, I get my ticket, I pay my ticket, and I go on. It's not like that. It's, it's we've broken relationship with one another, with brothers, sisters, wives, spouse, children, We've broken relationship with God. It's not personal. And, and, and reconciliation is going before God and saying, I've broken your heart uh, and I want to be reconciled. I want to be right with you. I want to be loved by you. I want to experience that. I want to love you. Sin is always personal. It's a breaking of relationship with ourself, with who God's created me to be, with God who's deeply in love with me, and with one another. If, if during this Lenten season we can take some time, sit back and say, how is it that, that my sin breaks relationship? Is it with, with a spouse, with a child, with a brother or yeah. sister, with a colleague at work? Uh, be reconciled with the Lord. And, and it's not just that. The Lord does invite us actually sometimes to go to the individual and be reconciled yeah. and repent. And if, if we can grow in that during this Lenten season, I think we'll have a better Lent. Yeah, yeah. We belong to the Third Order Regular of St. Francis of Penance. Indeed, yeah. And we're first drawn to it by St. Francis. And we look in common life, and then gradually over the years, why does it say of penance? 
<laughs> What's that supposed to yeah, be? They didn't just slip that in. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, and of penance is recognizing the need and the dependence that we have for this, you know, in our, in our lives, that indeed we're, uh, we're sinners and we're dependent on the Lord to grow and to grow in grace and union with him and then only to the extent that we're in union with him and going in grace can he send us forth to evangelize and help others. So we have to keep following the way of penitential life uh, in order that we're vessels or empowered to bring the grace that others need. And uh, that it takes a while to realize that has to be so deep in your spirit that it isn't just a matter of getting through the seminary and adding a degree or two or starting to teach about the faith or knowing special insights about scripture and the rest. We're of penance and we're called to lead others down that path because it's a blessed path. It's where God's mercy is poured out. If you're not of penance, you're not of mercy. God may be offering it, but you have to receive it mm -hmm. by really <laughs> realizing your need and your nature as a sinner. And uh, this is so important. It's so important to understand church teaching and documents. <clears throat> Today we have for all of you, <clears throat> just for the asking, uh, John Paul II's apostolic letter Misericordia Dei, on certain aspects of the celebration of the sacrament of penance. And we're going to send this to you just for the asking. John Paul II really got into it personally. And I want you to experience his grace, follow him, and get into the great way of mercy, which is the vocation of our lives. So till the next time, may the Lord bless and keep you, show his face to you and have mercy on you, turn his countenance to you and give you his peace, Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. To receive a free handout on today's topic or to purchase a video of this show, call 888-333-0381. That's 888-333-0381. Or call 740-283-6357. Email your request to presents at franciscan.edu. Or write to Franciscan University Presents, Franciscan University of Steubenville, 1235 University Boulevard, Steubenville, Ohio, 43952.